Hello, everybody. This is your girl, Donna D, a.k.a. The Urban Mommy, and I am back with another podcast. Lately, we have been working on ourselves. We have been bettering ourselves. We've been changing our mindset, and today is no different. We are going to go to the next level today. And with my guest, I have Kevin Palmieri, and he has he's over the Next Level University, and I will let him tell his own story. So, Kevin, welcome. Donna, thank you so very much for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. So can you tell us a little about Kevin? Who's Kevin? Where'd you grow up? Yeah. So today, Kevin is the host of Next Level University. As Donna mentioned, we're a global top 100 podcast with 1440 something episodes at this point. Listeners in 150 countries and we're coming up on a million downloads. So that is what I get to do every day now, which I'm, I'm very, very grateful for. But that is not where I started. I'm 34 and there's been many ups and downs in this roller coaster of life. So I was raised in a small town called Uxbridge, Massachusetts, by my mother and my grandmother. I didn't know my dad. I didn't meet my dad until I was 27. And I'm happy to jam on that if that's something you want to talk about later. But grew up lower middle class, didn't have a lot of money. I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. So after high school, I decided I didn't want to go to college. I worked many different odd jobs. I, again, I had no idea. I, I didn't know what my passion was. I didn't think I had a purpose. I had no clue. But later in my mid-20s, I ended up with a life that I think a lot of people would assume was a life of success. Had a girlfriend who was a model. I had just been and won a bodybuilding show. I'm making close to six figures. I had a sports car, a new place. I had all the, the measures of success. I still ended up sitting on the edge of a bed contemplating suicide a couple of years later. And then I ended up going all in on, on what we're doing today. That's the, the short version of the story, just because I don't want to take the whole time on the story. But yeah, there's been a lot of ups and downs. And the last thing I want anybody to think is where I am today is where I've been forever, because that's just not true. It might be where I am right now, but it's been less time here than it has been anywhere else. Got it. Okay, so I know I saw something, you know, when I was doing my research, you talk about Rock Bottom, and I think that's probably one of my first episodes that I ever did. It was called Rock Bottom, mm -hmm. but I think it's Rock Bottom, but happy. Yours is Rock Bottom has a basement. Can you <laughs> tell us what that means a little bit? <laughs> yeah, so as I mentioned, when I was, I was 25, and I had all the measures of success, if you looked from the outside in, there's no way you would have ever thought that I was dealing with anything. I had all the external results, but internally I was very self-conscious. I was lacking confidence. I was uncertain of my future. I was really afraid of everything. You would just never know it. You'd never think that. My girlfriend ended up leaving me because I was unconsciously, subconsciously holding her back. I was afraid of being left behind and that's what happened. When she left me, my work slowed down a ton, so I wasn't making almost any money. And when she left, my bills doubled. So here I am thinking, okay, everything went from really, really good to really, really bad in what seems like overnight. That was my initial rock bottom. I lost almost everything that I had. I don't know what I'm going to do. I said, I'm going to grind my face off and make as much money as humanly possible because maybe money, more of it will fix all my problems. I think we're all guilty to the, guilty of that in some way, shape, or form. So the next year, I ended up spending 10 months 
living on the road because a lot of our contracts were in other states for the job that I did. And I got to the end of the year and I opened up my final pay stub of the year and I made $100,000 at 26 with no college degree. But nothing internally changed. Yeah, my bank account looked better and that's good, right? Circumstantially, there's a lot of certainty that gets built in there. But I was no more confident. I was no more certain. My mental health wasn't any better. My anxiety wasn't any better. And nothing changed internally. I realized that for most of my life, and especially that year, I had lived unconsciously. I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm just chasing shiny objects, hoping they make me feel good. The opposite of unconscious is hyperconscious. So I ended up starting a podcast called The Hyperconscious Podcast. That's where all this started in 2017. I fell in love with podcasting as I knew that I didn't want to do my job anymore. I've made it to the pinnacle of my job and it took me spending 10 months living in hotels. I don't want to do it. So I start calling out of work. I start leaving the job sites early, showing up late. I am not a good employee at this point, Donna. You would not have wanted to hire me at this point. But you're a podcaster. You understand. In the beginning, there's not people out there throwing money at you saying, hey, you want to do this for a living? Here's a bunch of money. You should go do that. So I had to do both. And I just, I got to the point where every time I would have to pack up and leave, I just got so sad and so angry and so depressed that eventually I was in a hotel room in New Jersey, which was six hours from where I lived at the time. My alarm clock went off at 5.15. I sat up. I slid to the edge of the bed. I was lacing up my work boots and I had done this a thousand times at that point. And that morning it was different. It was like there was 10 televisions on in my head at the same time and every single one was on a different station. And one is saying you're stuck here forever. You have a really good opportunity with this job. People like you don't get opportunities like this. Never mind, leave them behind. If you do work up the courage to leave, what are your friends going to think? Because you make more money than all of your friends. What's your family going to think? You're the most successful person ever in your family. And if you do decide to leave this job, what are we going to do? There, there is no plan B. And at that point, I felt that if I was to take my life, I would end up taking my problems with me and that would be the easier path. Now, I'm very blessed that I have such amazing, positive people in my corner. I reached out to one of my friends who is now my business partner and I explained the situation. And he said many things, but the thing I remember the most was, Kev, over the last couple of years, your awareness has changed a ton but your environments have remained the same. I think it's time for you to change your environment. So that was my rock bottom basement moment where there really is nowhere else to go from there other than just don't be here anymore or start the trajectory upward. So I ended up leaving my job a few months later and then becoming the brokest entrepreneur you can be really trying to figure out this whole podcast thing. But that was 2018 and I've been a full-time podcaster since... 2018. So rock bottom basement built the foundation of what we have today, but it's very hard to feel that when you're going through it. Agreed. So it sounds like, like you said, you were actually at the top, you were doing well, six figures, and you still were contemplating ending your life. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, the external stuff is good. I'm not saying I have, a, I have a nice car now and there's a lot of things that are external, but the external things that we own are not going to fix the internal voids that we're suffering from most likely because the internal voids were 
created from stuff that we don't even understand yet. Not growing up with a dad, that did stuff to me that I never understood. Growing up with a, without a lot of financial security, that did stuff to me that I, I didn't understand, and I assumed money would fix that hole. There's more than that layer. There's a lot of layers to it. So, yeah, external and internal, they're, they're two different worlds. Right. So explain how, you know, a lot of people in our age group had that situation with growing up without a dad. Explain how that, how you finally realized that that affected you. Oh, man. I don't know if I truly, truly understood until I, I met my dad. I used to put on this armor and I used to put on this front of it doesn't affect me at all. I don't care that he was never around. He doesn't deserve to know me anyway. If he was dead, it wouldn't bother me. That was the the ego that I lived in for a long time. And eventually, I was living in New Hampshire by myself. And I was off of work for the weekend. And I remember I was sitting on my couch going through Facebook. And I didn't realize this at the time, but there's a, a folder within your message folder that's message requests from people you're not friends with. And somehow I found that I don't know. I don't know what I was doing. I was creeping around in my own social media, evidently. But I saw a message from someone and it said, hey, Kevin, I'm blank. I'm your father's girlfriend. That's the only part of this message I could see. And I said, mm -mm. no, 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 no. We're not doing this today. No, no. Saturday. We're not doing this. But then I said, I have to see this. I need the truth. I need to see this. So I opened it up and it said, hey, Kev, I'm blank. I'm your father's girlfriend. Your father has seen you on social media and he's very, very proud of you. And if you're up to it and you're open, he would like the opportunity to meet you. And I remember, Donna, I took my phone and I threw it on the floor like it was a hot potato. And I said, no, 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 this is not happening because... When you say a lot of negative things about someone with the assumption that you're never going to have to meet them, it's not that hard to say those negative things. But now the opportunity to meet that person is right in front of me. I got to make some decisions. So I ended up texting this person back and I said, yeah, let's do it. I don't know what's going to come of it. I don't know. I think this is probably going to be the most challenging thing I ever do, but I do believe it'll be positive for me. So I ended up setting a time setting a date, setting a place, and we met at this little diner in between where we both lived. And I pulled up, and I remember thinking to myself when I was sitting down at the table, I have no idea what this man looks like. So this is going to be as awkward as humanly possible. And I, I guess he must know what I look like because of Facebook. So I sat down, I got there early, I'm usually early, and I saw a man walk by the window, and I said, that's him. I don't know how I knew because I, I didn't know what he looked like, but I knew that was him. He came in and sat down and it was as awkward as you can expect. And maybe whether you're watching or listening, you've had this experience before. If not, hopefully you can take something from it. This is what happened, Donna. I realized that this person I had given so much power to, so much influence over the way I felt about myself how much I felt that I deserved love, how much I felt like I deserved to be a success or failure. I gave so much power to someone who didn't deserve it. What I really saw was an underdeveloped man who has never ever worked on himself and never taken responsibility for the mistakes he's made in his life. I felt like the father when I sat down with him, which was very, very weird for me. Here I am, I'm doing self-improvement every day, 
I'm very into bettering myself. I want to take responsibility. I want to take ownership. I realize in that moment that I have villainized this person who doesn't really deserve a lot of the attention internally that I've given them. That day, I said, you know what? I'm going to forgive this person because this person has their own stuff going on. They got to work on their own stuff. The last thing I need them to worry about is me. I'm doing just fine. I'm the best I've ever been. So it gave me a lot of closure. I was able to forgive him, not for him, but for me. Forgiveness is for you, not for the other person. That's something I learned that day. And it really helped me understand, oh, I met someone who I was supposed to know, who I was supposed to love, who was supposed to love me. I met that person and it allowed me to understand myself at a deeper level. From there, we ended up spending a, a couple other times together. And then I just realized it's going to be very hard for me to fit you into my life where I am. And I honestly don't know if I want to. I appreciate the opportunity. I'm glad that I got to choose. But it really showed me how much that held me back the first 26 years of my life and how much ego I lived in and how delusional I was to the actual truth of the whole situation is what I would say. Wow. So how did you feel when he said that he was proud of you? Did it mean anything to you? Ah, uh, no, I don't think so. I At that time, I don't know. There's nothing he could have said probably that would have moved me because I was so closed off. I appreciate it. I mean, I appreciate the fact that he's proud, but there's a lot of people that are proud of me that I'm closer to than him. I am proud, and that really mattered the most to me at that time. And I still, I'm still very proud of what we've done. So no, it didn't really move that much. And I don't know if because I was closed off. There's probably not a lot that he could have said that would have moved me. I mean, there was times where he was crying, and I was just like, no, no, no. This, I'm not here to cry. I'm here to get closure. I'm here to figure out what's what. So I don't know if I was ready for that at that point. Wow. Okay. So that's that's interesting, and I. I hear the similar stories, you know, just watching different TV stories and hearing personal stories of meeting people that, you know, have been away from your life for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I like that you discovered that and that you were able to actually meet with him because so many people don't get that opportunity. Yeah. Um, I'm, so I'm glad I did. Actually growing up, did you feel like you were missing something then? Yeah, I remember it was maybe like fourth grade and one of the things for some reason we did on the first day of school was go around the classroom and and tell what our parents did for a living and i had no idea so i just said construction my dad's in construction sounded good so yeah i always felt like i was the kid who didn't have a dad all of my friends had what seemed like really good family lives and i never felt like i had that so i think i felt bad for myself for pretty much my entire life I don't know how, I didn't know how much that was affecting me, but yes, I felt different and I could tell that people treated me differently too. Like they tried to, and I'm grateful for this, but they tried to bring me into their family. Like, let's have a family dinner. Kevin can sleep over. We'll take Kevin on vacation. I never really understood what was happening. Now I do. And I'm grateful for it, but right. it, it definitely was different. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So when you were on the edge of that bed and you were contemplating suicide because everything that was going on in your life thank goodness that didn't happen but do you look at suicide differently now yeah i i used to probably ignorantly think it was a sign of weakness 
right? I, I, I think maybe, I don't know if we've all been guilty of that. I definitely have in the past. And it allows me to empathize at a different level because now I understand. That wasn't the first time I had had suicidal thoughts. At that point, I had already been to two different therapists. I had been very open with people about the way I felt and, and my feelings and my thoughts and my traumas and my triggers. So if anything, it's really, really helped me empathize with people who are struggling with that. And it's come full circle. I've been on the phone or Zoom with people who were contemplating suicide in real time with me there. So it's it's come full circle where I've been on that side, but I've also been the person that people have reached out to. I don't know if I would be able to be as... I don't want to say supportive, but I don't know if I'd be able to be as calm and as centered as I was when somebody reached out if I hadn't experienced it on, on my end. So it's it's very interesting and powerful how it's come full circle for me okay so what was the defining moment where you realized that you had to change your life it started it started that day sitting on the edge of the bed really i I realized that i can't do what i'm doing any longer this season this reason is expiring and i've learned a lot about myself. I've found different successes. I've, I just, I've learned a lot about myself, but this isn't what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I am very unhappy. I am not fulfilled. And what I'm doing is not sustainable. That really came to mind in that, in that moment of this is not sustainable. I don't know if this ever was sustainable. I think I was so blinded by the amount of money I was making that I was willing to do whatever it took to make it. That It was that day, Donna, when I reached out to, his name's Alan, my business partner, and I, I explained what was going on. He gave me permission and belief to make a different decision that day. I borrowed his belief in the beginning. I didn't know I could be an entrepreneur. I didn't know I could be a business owner. I didn't believe any of that. So it was that day where I realized, okay, what I'm doing has an, an end date. I don't have to do this forever. There are other options out there. I'm not exactly sure what they are. I don't know how good I'm going to be at them, but I have permission to make a different decision. And I have somebody who very clearly believes in me. Maybe I can borrow some of that belief for myself. Okay. So let's talk about holistic self-improvement. What is that? Holistic self-improvement from my perspective is leveling up your life by leveling up your health, wealth, and love. I, as you've heard my story, I was very successful, quote unquote, in maybe one arena at a time. When I was in the best shape of my life, everything else was burning down. When I was making the most money, everything else was burning down. And I pretty much sucked at most of the relationships I was in because I didn't really understand myself at a deep level and I wasn't complete on my own. So holistic self-improvement to me means as you become more aware, as you become more competent, as you work on yourself, you're more capable of having a successful relationship. You're more capable of having a healthy, strong body, mind, soul, spirit. You're more capable of getting a better job that will produce more money, having the awareness to save more money, and understanding on what to invest your money into to make more money and bring more fulfillment in that. So yeah, it's, it's becoming well-rounded. 
I don't want to end up wealthy but out of shape. I don't want to end up in love but out of shape or broke. I would like to have as many of those buckets filled as possible because I think that's the way to find full or true fulfillment. Okay. So when it came to dealing with that stuff, including like your anxiety and depression and everything else that you had going on, Mm. how did you actually overcome it? Uh, When I get asked that question, it's always challenging because my depression pretty much went away when I quit my job. It's, it was night and day difference. When I quit my job, my depression got infinitely better. Where I don't, I don't consider myself depressed. I don't really struggle with that at all anymore. The downside of that is my anxiety went up. My anxiety went up a lot to the point where I was having panic attacks regularly. The reason I believe now looking back is because... A lot of people say get outside your comfort zone, and I am a huge proponent of that. Unfortunately, nobody nobody ever told me how far outside of my comfort zone to get. I was way too far outside of my comfort zone. I was interviewing people who were so successful. I was $30,000 in credit card debt. We were traveling around the country to go to different events to try to learn, even though I was already in debt. I'm afraid of planes. So there was like so many things going on where I was already outside of my comfort zone and I was just doing it more to the point where I was having panic attacks on the floor. So depression went away. Anxiety multiplied many, many times. And then, you know, over the last six years, a lot of it has been mindfulness. I was, I went through a a phase where I was doing a lot of meditation, a lot of breath work, Fitness is a huge mental health thing. From if I go to usually pretty pretty good, I believe has helped me tremendously because a lot of stuff would me to the point where I would be getting it doesn't really affect me anymore because I've just been under the weight of the pressure so long that things it's not as bad. Things aren't as they used to be where. In the beginning, I would have one coach a day and I would have to go take a nap. Now I have seven or eight calls a day and that's just pretty much every day. So when you're under the weight of the load long enough and you learn how to lift it, it does get a little bit easier as well. But there was uh, it was touch and go in the beginning, for sure. Did I know you say you went to therapy two different times. Do you think mm. that therapy helped? I am a, I am a huge proponent of therapy. I Everyone who is ever struggling with anything would find value talking to somebody about it. Somebody you feel safer, you feel you can trust, somebody you can be with. It was very, very helpful to me. I was afraid to cry. I was afraid soft. I cried. Definitely was very, very soft, but soft way. Soft in the way. Soft in the brave, brave way. Component. Okay. So, did that help with you becoming more confident? Yeah, because vulnerability is hard. Things that are hard require courage and confidence. So, yeah, although it was, I was very scared to do, after I did, I was super grateful. It allowed me to say, well, that was really hard. There's a lot of people that are afraid of this. I'm probably more confident than I realize. That was a thing for me. And then at this point, we started interviewing people 
was becoming more confident too because interviewing people that were very, very successful compared to us and we were getting a lot of kind words from people who were very seasoned as guests so that was very helpful i think i was getting a lot of proof from external world as well okay um so you mentioned vulnerability mm. how did you find the confidence because that's especially being a male it's extremely hard to to, you know allow yourself to become vulnerable what was your how did you do that so well i think i'm fairly logical when it comes to the way i think about things like that when i don't i don't know oh i think a lot of people's fear is if i'm vulnerable i'm going to look a certain way or people are going to reach out and make fun of me or whatever i'm going to get judged and when I started being vulnerable, I realized that if somebody was going to reach out to me and talk trash, that's a representation of them, not me. If you're taking the time out of your day to reach out about something I vulnerably said, you're probably not super fulfilled. You're probably not super happy. You're probably not super on purpose. And again, I've been there. I've been there, so I, I have empathy for that. It was that. And then I, I've had this saying since the beginning. I know I'm going to get punched on, on one cheek. I know I'm going to get punched a lot, but I also know I'll get kisses on the other cheek. And I'm doing this more for the, the kisses on, on the cheek than I am the punches on the cheek. That's just I, I just believe that's par for the course. And then here's the other thing, too. We, we did an interview with a licensed marriage and family therapist, and we were talking about porn. How I had a porn addiction one time, or during, at one period of my life. And Alan, after the interview, said, I can't believe you said that publicly. Like, aren't you afraid of people reaching out? And I said, I don't know. Don't you think 90% of men are probably addicted to porn? Like, who's going to reach out and talk trash? Almost everybody I know at some point has been addicted to porn. I was just willing to admit it. I actually had several people, including females, that reached out and said, Hey, I've been dealing with something like that, too. Thank you for bringing that up. I thought I was alone. So I got some positive feedback that the vulnerability was helpful it was impactful and that's that's what i'm in this for i want to help i really do i want to impact i want people to feel like they're not alone i want people to feel like they can reach out so a lot of it is that is the why behind why i do this and if i'm going to sit here and say that i really want to help i do have to tell the truth even if it even if it scares me last night donna on one of our episodes we were recording we were talking about how awareness is a challenge when you get a new awareness, there's a lot of responsibility and there's a lot of embarrassment or shame that comes with that. And I went back into my old Facebook messages from 2018 and we went through some of the conversations I was having with women. And it was the worst. It was terrible. I was super embarrassed. But I know everybody's probably had that moment. So I felt like, yeah, it's going to be embarrassing and maybe I'm going to look stupid, but I do believe it'll be impactful for those listening. So for me, it's worth it. All right. With that being said, I have a question. Okay. So mm. a lot of times, most of the women guests that I have on, we always talk about the same situation, but I want to hear it from a male's perspective. So when we say, you know, all men cheat, we know it's not all, but we'll, we'll just say a majority just for the sake of conversation. Why do you feel that they do it? Because it seems like, like you say, you were looking through old conversations. Probably something was going on mentally with you. So do you mm -hmm. think, can we push that over to the 
cheating something? Yeah, I would say... I don't know, because here's the thing. I am very blessed where I only spend time with very character-driven humans, which I'm grateful for. So that's not a, a large conversation that we've had. But I would, I would have to guess that it comes down to one, communication. Two, vulnerability. Three, some, some sort of system in the relationship can actually actively share. So if the relationship and feel like they're getting met, an adult aligned connected relationship is going to have an opportunity to say, hey, I'm very nervous to share this. I hope this makes you feel some type of way. I don't feel like I'm getting the, the need for physical help met. Can we have a conversation about how we could improve that? Rather than me saying, this ain't it. This this is not it. Let me go find some aside. Honestly, I think it happens. It's easier. It's easier not to face your feelings and just go get physical. It is. It's easier not to be vulnerable and go get drunk and make a mistake. It's more challenging to say, I love this person deeply. And I love this person with every fiber of my being. How do I bring up to them that I am currently unhappy with what is going on in the relationship? Especially if I have any subconscious fear that they're going to say, you know what? I'm unhappy too. Ooh, that is a tough place to be. So I would say it's that. I would say it's that. The quality of your relationship is probably going to be connected to the amount of difficult conversations you're having. I think one of the reasons my relationship with my wife is so great is because we have a lot of conversations that suck. Really, it's just, hey, when you do this, it makes me feel that this type of way. It's like, damn. I thought I was doing really well. Okay, I can do better. I can do better. Or me saying, hey, I think I'm starting to build up some resentment around blank based on the fact that every time I do this, this is what happens. So yeah, long answer short, it's easier. It's easier to do that than it is to vulnerably share how you're feeling with somebody that you truly, truly care about or you don't believe it would be worth it to share it in the first place. So you just go get your needs met somewhere else. Mm, okay. So self-awareness kind of helps with that situation. Yeah, self-awareness and human awareness. We're, humans are really good at doing stuff reactively, right? It's, and just this is just human nature. When a plane crashes, we figure out why it crashes and then we try not to ever allow that to happen again. When a bridge collapses, we do the same thing. When a place gets robbed, we up the security. Humans are very reactive creatures. So if you can build in some sort of proactive check in your relationship, say every Sunday you sit down and you have three questions. What is something you want more of this week? What is something you want less of? And this is one of, one of Alan's questions is, what is something about me that is bothering you that you wish wasn't bothering you. It could be something simple. For a long time after he showered, he would uh, he would leave the floor mat on the floor instead of hanging it back up on the tub. And his girlfriend one time said, can you just hang the effing thing back up? You always just leave it on the floor. I know it shouldn't bother me to the level it is, but it does. So having that proactive opportunity to say, hey Donna, I know it's Sunday, we're gonna do our check-in, I have some thoughts. 
it just, it creates an opportunity where you don't have to say, hey, let's, we need to talk, Donna. Hey, Donna, let me text you. We need to talk. We're going to talk tonight anyway, so I can save her for that. Right. So basically, you also, it's important to remember that a relationship, you always have to work on it. It's never, it's never done. Mm -mm. No, it's about growth. And growth never ends. Growth never ends. A lot, I've heard people say, I'm going to, I'll see what happens in this relationship. I'm going to give it six months and see what happens. I'm not going to bet on that relationship. There's, I mean, six months is just an arbitrary date. You can learn so much about someone. You can learn so much about yourself. If you, if you really want to learn about yourself, get into an aligned relationship because you are going to learn a lot. Yes, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> that is true. Okay, so we're going to get uh, over a little to your actual podcast. Mm. How long, well, you said 2018 when you started the Full time, I started uh, 2017. I started the podcast. 2018, I started doing it full time. When did you realize that 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 was it? That's what you wanted to do. Probably right after I started, it just didn't seem it didn't seem possible. The one of the reasons the podcast got created at the time that it did is I was interviewed on a YouTube channel, and it was about mindset and fitness and health. And at the end of this interview, which was an hour and a half, I said to one of my friends, I said, imagine if you could do that for a living. That hour and a half went by in what seems like five minutes. If I could do that, I would be over the moon. And he said, well, there's people out there that do. So that ignited the flame for me. And I started doing a bunch of research of how do you do this and what equipment do you need? That's when it really started where I said, I don't really love everything that's going on. If I could create a life around that, I would be the happiest person in the world. I just didn't believe it. I didn't believe it was humanly possible for me, but I did want to do it. So when you first started out, did you have a bunch of followers like from your personal page or you just started <laughs> from scratch? Started from scratch. No, there was nobody cared. I wasn't I wasn't a good speaker. I had no idea what I was talking about. I was having my friends on as guests, so uh, yeah, no. I started from square one. <laughs> Nobody cared. I had no followers. It was very organic. And eventually people came around, but not as many as I had hoped, Donna. <laughs> so how long did it take for you to actually say, this is working? <laughs> uh, it still isn't working the way I thought it would. No, <laughs> probably it depends, right? Because there is a lot of different measures of success when it comes to that. I mean, we didn't make any money for two years. That's when it really started for me when I started getting coaching clients and I went from making $0 a month to making, say, a 1000 bucks a month. Then it was like, oh, okay, this is definitely something. Oh, I could be a coach. Never thought of that before. That's when I started to see money come in. That's when I realized that it was actually sustainable. But we had a lot of small wins along the way, different guests we had on that I never expected to have. But yeah, I would say once we started monetizing, it was like, oh, okay, this is something that actually could turn into a business eventually. Okay. So do you have any advice for someone who may be starting a podcast or started and feel that things aren't moving? <laughs> yeah. You're not alone in the fact that things aren't moving. If you're winning right off the bat, you are the exception to the rule, not the rule. 
I've worked with hundreds of podcasters at this point, trust me. Nobody is doing as well as you think. It just, everybody is struggling. Everybody wants more listens. Everybody wants more community. Everybody wants more money. Everybody. It's just, it is what it is. So that's one thing is you're not alone. Number two is treat your podcast like a business. Don't just treat it like a podcast. And what I mean by that is my wife and I went to a restaurant when we were on vacation one time and it was closed. And it said something like the chef had a headache today, so they couldn't come in. We'll be reopening tomorrow. And I'll never go to that restaurant because I went to another restaurant that day because I was hungry and I liked that restaurant. So I'm never going to go to that other one. They lost a potential client slash customer forever. The podcast is the same way. If you're supposed to show up Thursday at 7 a.m. and you don't show up Thursday at 7 a.m. and the person wants to consume content, they're going to go find someone else and they, they may never come back. So I don't care if there's five people listening. I don't care if there's 500. I don't care if there's 5,000. You have to treat each one of those people like they're a person, regardless of how many there are. Because if you want to get from five to 50 to 500, you have to really nurture and take care of the people that are listening. Treat those five people like the five most important people to your business. And you most likely will have more success than you think. And then I would say, continue to check in with your why. Really, really continue to check in with your why because you're going to have a lot of opportunities to do things that aren't necessarily aligned. Sponsorships and ads and stuff like that. It might not be it for you. The way that you win is probably going to be drastically different than the way everybody else is winning. And that's okay. You don't have to do it the same exact way everybody else is doing it. Honestly, you probably shouldn't because most of the people who are doing it that way, they are also the exception to the rule. So yeah, that's what I would say. So, and I know most people always say it's just to be consistent. So you, you also agree because you say if you're supposed to be there, make sure you show up. Just consistently. Yeah, you're, you're holding and you're, you're facilitating a relationship with your audience. If you can't win if you're not consistent. And I really wish I could explain the, the data that I've seen, but I have clients that are really good podcasters, really good speakers, world-class communicators, but they'll drop three episodes in one week and then they'll skip a week and they'll drop three episodes and then two and then one. And they never, they never get to the point where last month was 5,000 listens. And then this month is 7,000. And then next month is 9,000. It's 5,000, 5,500, 4,500, 5,000. It levels out. If that person was consistent, their numbers would increase. I'm certain of it. So yes, consistency, you really can't win without it, especially in this space. Do you suggest that people put out a bunch of videos, like a lot, release a lot of podcasts or do they stick to a schedule? How do you do I you like one a, yeah, one a week. If you can do if you can do YouTube and podcasting, like audio and video, throw the throw the video up on YouTube break it up into YouTube shorts, throw them on YouTube, throw them on your social media platforms, and then push out your audio to all the platforms. That is a great place to start. Some shows never have to do more than one a week. Depends on how you want to do it. We do seven a week, but we're different. There's a reason we do it that way. Our business and our brand is 1% improvement every day. If I'm going to tell you to get a little bit better, the, the last thing I can do is help you get a little bit better by being in your pocket. So I would say one episode a week is usually great. You can do every other where you do a guest one week, a solo next week, guest, solo, 
And then making sure you're getting on other shows is, is big too, because you're going to meet people. You're going to figure out what people are actually dealing with. You get asked different questions. So that's another valuable thing to do. Okay. So you said yes on the schedule or yes. no, does it matter? I would say yes. I would drop an episode. So two layers of the schedule. One, I would record your episode on the same day, on the same time every week. Non-negotiable. It, it's for us. Monday is off the schedule completely. You can't book me for anything. That's when we record our episodes. And then have your episodes drop the same day at the same time every week. That way you have a, a very strict cadence where you know you're always ahead because you're always recording in advance. Okay. I like that. That's a good idea. That's what I, I guess what I, I need to work on. I need to, I re release videos that I don't have like a set schedule. Mm. Because when I first started, it was, it was easy to say, oh, how many people you want to come on? You want to come on? But then they say, yeah, I want to come on. And then one week I might get to interview three people. And then instead of making the wait, I just release them all. So <laughs> I need to work on that. Well, you can hang on to them. You can always, I think a lot of people are nervous about what the guest is going to think. Like, ah, I had Kev on. I don't want to release this in a month. I want you to release it whenever you want to release it. It's your show. I appreciate you having me on. Do what's best for you. Don't worry about me. But I understand not everybody's that way. Right. Okay. Um, so my favorite question, which I ask toward the end of all of my interviews, is, and I'll ask you two. So the first one is, if you can go back to 2018 and talk to Kevin about the podcast, what would you tell him? Stay humble because this is going to take a lot longer than you think. Stay humble, stay consistent. And then also, you are going to learn things about yourself you had no idea you were going to need to learn. Trust that those are things that are also going to pay you back in the future, even though they suck in the present. That's probably what I would say. Okay. And my next question is, if you could go back to 17-year-old Kevin and talk to him about life in general, what would you tell Kevin? I would probably say, Kev, the biggest difference between the person you are today and the person you want to be eventually is your habits. What are you doing every day? Because if you can start reading a page a day, if you can start that at 17, or you can save $10 a week, 17 years later where, where I am today, my life would be drastically different. So it would be that. Big things start really small and pennies add up to dollars when you put them in the bank consistently enough. 17 years is a long time for you to get your stuff together. You will make drastic improvements if you focus on very small improvements now. Would I have listened to him? Probably not. But that's what I would have said to him. All right. So if we could sum up the conversation today when you were basically telling us how to go to the next level, how would you sum that conversation up? When you become more self-aware, you become more capable of changing everything in your life. Awareness is an opportunity and awareness is a responsibility. Work on awareness. When you get triggered, why do you get triggered? The people that you villainize, why are you villainizing them? the excuses that you use, which ones do you use the most often and why? 
What are you afraid of? What are you excited for? If you can sit with those questions and just understand yourself at a deeper level, I believe that you are drastically improving your opportunity to be successful in the future. I mean, one of the reasons a lot of us don't work on our own cars is because we're not aware of how to. So we bring them to somebody who is aware. They're just more aware than we are. Get familiar, get aware with yourself. More, If you're more aware with yourself than anything else, you're going to be in a really good position. Nice. Okay. So can you let everyone know how they can follow you and how they can support you? Yes. Uh, our podcast is Next Level University. Just search it on Apple. Search it on YouTube. We'll come up. And then my handle on Instagram is at neverquitkid. I do all my DMs. So if you have any questions or comments or whatever it is, I'm more than happy to chat. Just shoot me a message. Tell me where you heard us and I'm happy to jam. Perfect. I love it. Okay. So as we come on the end of today's podcast, I want to thank you, Kevin, for teaching us all how to level up. Now we can all take this information and actually use it. Um, because it's all about growing. It's all about mindset, vulnerability, dealing with your vulnerability. Um, what am I missing? Communication. Communication. Don't cheat. Don't oh, don't yeah. be out here cheating. Don't worry, don't cheat. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. So pretty much that's it. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for watching. If you are on YouTube, thanks for watching, guys. And if the Lord said the same, I will see you all next week. Bye bye.